Welcome to Get Amplified from the Amplified Group, the podcast for tech industry leaders and aspiring leaders who want to help their companies execute faster. As always, we're virtual. I'm back home in Buckinghamshire, surrounded by various dogs. Vicky's over in deepest, darkest Oxfordshire. Vicky, who have we got on, on the podcast today? Thanks, Sam. And uh, well, today is a special for us because we have two guests today. Um, and it's the first time we've done this. And this podcast has come about through Lindsay Moore, who is one of our amplifiers, who is just such a pleasure to work with. And Lindsay knows Steve Wilson, who is joining us on the podcast. And when we asked Steve to be on the podcast, he said, I think I should also be on with Tracy Reese. And they're both from a company called Cinity, which I would really like to understand what they do as well. But when we had the pre-call about this, what was just overwhelmingly obvious is both Steve and Tracy are, it's all about the people. And if you care about the people and it's second nature and it's ingrained in it, they, they naturally do everything that we help our clients do at the Amplified Group. So this is just going to be a, a masterclass in looking after your people. So with that, Sam, over to you. Great. Thanks, Vicky. So Steve, you best start off, if you don't mind, by giving us something of a little potted history of your career. Yeah, be happy to. Thanks, Sam. Thanks, Vicky. Um, so yes, Steve Wilson, I've been in customer-facing services roles for almost 30 years now. And for 25 of those years, I guess I've been working in and leading local, regional and global teams at organizations like Shell, uh, Hewlett Packard, Microsoft, Salesforce, Hitachi Vantara, Attest, uh, and now at Cinity. So I've had the fortune of leading services teams ranging from sales, uh, professional services or consulting, uh, and support up to EMEA level and, and customer success teams up to global levels. Um, I actually started out my career in the early 90s at Shell, where I kind of worked in the combined shipping and trading business as part of their infrastructure and architecture team. And one of the projects that I worked on there was the implementation of the first version of Microsoft Exchange which interestingly brought me to the attention of digital. And I moved across to what was digital in the late 90s, just as they were going through their merger acquisition uh, with Compaq, uh, who then latterly merged, was acquired by, by Hewlett Packard. In 2004, I, I moved to Microsoft, uh, where I stayed for 12 years uh, in a number of different roles. Uh, my last role at Microsoft saw me leading the consulting division for the UK and Ireland business, which I did for about four years, uh, where I had responsibility for uh, enterprise and solution architecture, delivery management, consulting across all of Microsoft's products and solutions. And uh, towards the end of my time there, I also managed their support business as well. I left in 2016. I joined Salesforce. I wanted to join, uh, I guess, a SaaS organization, an entrepreneurial organization, high growth. Uh, and I ran their services business again for UK, Ireland and the emerging region underneath their customer success group banner um, and responsible for uh, solution delivery uh, across all of the Salesforce clouds. Um, 
super interesting time. Um, Salesforce going through tremendous period of growth. Uh, but I left Salesforce in 2018 uh, to join Hitachi Vantara, where I was VP of their EMEA services business. So I ran their sales business, their consulting business with full PL responsibility for professional services, managed services, cloud services, and solutions sold as a service. And six months into that, I was asked to take on their global customer success function, which I ran for a further 18 months, the full kind of uh, customer success lifecycle, onboarding, education, training, professional services, customer success management, support renewals, et cetera. And then in August 2020, I took on an interim role, um, something very different to what I'd previously been used to. Most of my career, I think, has been fairly well tenured. Uh, eight years, eight years, 12 years, et cetera. Um, but the role that uh, the interim role I took on was a VP of customer success for a, an organization called a test, a consumer research platform team or business where I consulted into their CEO to consolidate, unify and scale their customer success initiative. And then finally, in January of this year, at the very height of the pandemic, I, I joined Synity as the head of uh, EMEA services, where I had the honor of, of leading a team that is responsible for enabling the delivery of what I think of as extraordinary customer value through the adoption of our advanced data migration software and the Synity knowledge platform into existing and net new customers. Wow, quite a run. How was it joining Synity in the height of lockdown? That must have been uh, interesting. You know, you had to hit the ground, you had to build relationships on the fly presumably without meeting people until, I guess, perhaps fairly recently? Yeah, yeah. I think I met somebody um, from Synity in the last two weeks. So I finally managed to match from the shoulders down for the typical image that you see on Zoom and, uh, and Teams, which is obviously from the shoulders up. Uh, so it's a great question. Uh, and I think kind of that ability to create relationships in a virtual world is probably not too dissimilar to creating relationships in the, I guess, the physical world, which sounds crazy to say it, but, you know, the pre-pandemic and hopefully the post-pandemic world. And I think, you know, there's probably five, I, I guess, kind of key points for me. One is time, finding time to genuinely spend with people, to be physically, virtually present. And again, I think that leads on to the second point, which is around being engaged and, and really listening and giving you 100% of you and who you are to that individual at that time. I think it's about being authentic and being yourself. Um, I've, I've gone out of my way to be personal. And I, what I mean by that is sharing something about who I am and, and, and what I am about and, and hopefully kind of reciprocate, getting some reciprocal information back. And I think genuinely just being kind. Um, you know, just you're never too important to be nice to people. I mean, that old saying, and I think everybody in Synity, frankly, probably embodies all of those kind of attributes. You know, if you could distill that, you're probably going to be pretty close to, to kind of that individual uh, that you find at Synity. And I kind of look at, at all of those values, those behaviours, and, and frankly, no one embodies that culture or those behaviors better than Tracy. In fact, I think we call her, I, I call her certainly the catalyst of culture here at Synity. 
Well, that probably leads us on to you then, Tracy. As Steve's described you as the catalyst of the culture, the keeper of the culture, uh, you'll, you'll know, I'm sure, from my time at Softcat and previous conversations with Vicky that, that, that culture is something that I hold very dear to my heart. Perhaps you could give us your potted history and, and tell us how you, how you kind of lead that culture side of things. Thanks, Sam. Yeah, I'd be delighted to. Um, and Steve obviously has started us off and talking about um, how important it is to us at Synity. I started my working life in professional sport, um, the highlight being identifying and sponsoring England cricket players for a brand called Slazenger, who were at the time were dominating the market. So the likes of the great uh, wicketkeeper Alex Stewart and the batsman Mark Rampakash and Mark Butcher, to name but a few, were the guys that I signed. And I think it's at that point that I really recognise the importance of high performing and connected teams. Cricket, much like business, is a team game, but it's an individual game as well. And it's pretty, pretty lonely out there on the crease sometimes. Um, your heads can go down, shoulders can slope and you feel you don't have the support of your teammates. And then suddenly the noise in the field can lift the game and you're in it together. And that's when you can see whether the game is going to be won or lost. So I joined Synergy through a small startup, um, a UK-centric company called Intota, 10 years ago now. Intota was the brainchild of some incredibly talented and entirely different individuals connected by um, entrepreneurial spirit, a vision and a purpose, but also a true appreciation of people. So that was really where the journey started on, on culture within the tech business that I had joined so I've been privileged to be part of many chapters of this story, the acquisition of Intota by back office associates as we were then. And at that point, Intota was just a 40 person UK centric data migration specialist. And we grew the team in uh, five, uh, five short years to, to a delivery capacity in Barcelona. We changed the name to Synity. And today I am a senior director, my official title being HR business partner. I've got to confess, I prefer being called the guardian of talent for EMEA. Um, I think HR's got a bit of a bad rap sometimes. We're just there for the, for the difficult things in life. And I absolutely don't want to be that. Um, and EMEA for us is eight European entities and one in the Middle East. And we're about 200 people now in region and growing. So overall, we're about 1,400 people, an enterprise data company that helps large organisations extract sustained value from their strategic assets. And we're formed of really amazing, smart, motivated data consultants. Data is not boring in our world. We only have boring go lives. We just don't have data, boring data people, I can assure you. And so the question you asked me was, why is culture important? Um, Culture is important not only just to create high performing and functioning teams, I believe, but also because businesses buy from people. People work for people. I start every conversation with a new candidate saying, I don't like the word interview. This is a discussion. It's a partnership. We have to be in it together. You have to see what you're going to get from us. How's that going to fulfill your career? And does it fit with your aspirations for your life? So most of us want to work for and with people we trust, respect and have fun with. So that's why I do what I do. Simply, I love people and I like to have fun and I truly like and interested in people. So that plays well because I'm a professional coach and I'm privileged to work with some of the most who I consider to be talented and clever people on the planet and people that I like to hang out with. 
people I care about. And there's nothing better than seeing an individual grow and succeed personally and professionally and be happy. Fantastic. Sounds, sounds very soft, Pat. I'm envious of your uh, start in your career doing the cricket thing. <laughs> yeah, Vicky yeah. was looking at my face there. Your eyes were nearly popping out of your head. Like, wow, that's so, Tracy that's so Sam cool. Tracy is a massive cricket fan. <laughs> Funny I am enough, guilty this- of that. <laughs> Oh, cool, cool. One of the companies that I'm involved in is a high-end cricket bat manufacturer. Um, so really, it's really interesting to be in that world and the whole bat sponsorship thing and trying to pick up young talent early and, and what have you. It's fascinating, really, really interesting. You know, the, the, the big brands don't make their own bats. They just put the stickers on them. Yep. Back in the day, we did with Eric Loxton in Barnsley, uh, Slazenger. Wow. We used to go and pick the willow, and, and I'd go up with Stewie and the boys and pick their bats. But yeah, it's very, very different world now. It's very corporate these days, isn't it? It's really yeah. interesting. I was reading about, uh, I think, I, I'm not sure, I think it was an Indian cricketer who was deliberately playing with a blank bat so as to try and attract the maximum sponsorship. That was like it, that was his, uh, his kind of uh, way of advertising that he was open to market i thought that's really interesting yeah it is amazing how things have changed i remember coaching the boys of how to hold their back to get maximum exposure to the logo when they scored you know this was all part of the game (laughs) fantastic yeah cool really interesting sounds like we've all got a little connection into sport um and whilst i did play quite a bit of cricket growing up golf was my thing and Uh, I think one of the things we were talking about we were talking about sport yeah (laughs) Um, I think think this is kind of again it's one of the things that you know is kind of what we think of when we think of someone who's at Synergy is someone that gives something outside of workplace as well and and both Tracy and I are mentors um, to a company called Black Valley which is all about getting black talent into the IT workplace Um, you know we spend some time um, working with them I've, I've been a Samaritan for, for, again, longer than I care to remember, probably over 20 years. And, and we, we talk a lot about mental health as well as kind of obviously physical and emotional yeah. health as well uh, at Synergy. And the, and the other thing, just to kind of bring it back to sport, is I kind of manage one of the England golf teams. And so the England under 18 boys golf squad that kind of focused on Hampshire, Surrey and the Isle of Wight. So, so I think cool. when we think about somebody that works at Synergy, it's not just the technical side of things. It's not just the customer facing. And, you know, Tracy and I interview for people that come into my business, Tracy and I are on every interview. You know, it, we're, yeah. we're, it's so important to us that, that when people come into Synergy, they add value yeah. to Synergy and they don't detract. And we don't think of it, I don't think of it in the sense of technical skills. Yeah. I think of it as culture. I think of it as behaviours. I think of the values, the DNA you know, I think we're all stakeholders of, of our culture. You know, I like to think of it as we kind of that immune system. You know, we're all protective like of our that. culture. Yeah. Yeah, and, and, you know, we very, react very to it topical. when we don't. Yeah, we react, you know, when, when we see things that are wrong, we react to it. We repel that. Yeah. And you, so, you, you, know, spit, you spit the intruder the out. Yeah, that makes sense. Yeah, if you get through the interview process, you've done incredibly well because not only are you going to get grilled technically, but you come up against Tracy and I. Um, yeah, no, that makes Tracy sense. Tracy and I, I look after the culture and the consulting side of our business. I, I always used to refer to it at Softcat as, as one bad apple spoils the cider. 100%. 100%. Yeah. 
So, yeah. you know, it's a very similar approach there, I think. Very much so. So, obviously, you're a very people-first business. That much is clear. How do you align that with making sure you hit the business objectives here, presumably revenue and eventually profit-related, among other things? Yeah, and it's interesting because I heard, I think the same question was asked of um, of Colin Brown, who either the fortune to work with at Microsoft, and I think Colin said it, probably the way in the way that I'm going to say, I'm going to kind of refer back to that kind of Richard Branson approach, who I think probably popularized the view at the time, I think if you look after your people, they look after your customers. And if you look after your customers, then you can be successful in business. And that's the way we think of things here at Synity. You know, we're a people first business and it's helped us to become, you know, incredibly successful in a very short space of time by taking that approach, by looking after our people first and then hoping and in fact watching them deliver great outcomes, uh, great value, predictably, reliably, consistently for our customers. And then obviously our customers getting that value uh, and getting that kind of differentiated experience from our people uh, make us successful. So I think that's the way we approach it, Sam. I think one thing to add to that, Steve, I think as as a leadership team, we try to inspire others simply by saying what we will do and doing what we say. So it's really important that we're open and we're accessible and we believe strongly in setting that tone from the top and embracing our differences, recognising that we're all good at different things. So collectively, together, we make we make the business and we really put kindness at the top of the agenda. And I think kindness has to be intentional. You know, when someone goes out of their way to, to celebrate something, a listening ear and a conversation at the right time can change everything. So we believe in celebrating our successes. We believe heavily in saying thank you. Um, but not just the business related um, pieces that obviously contribute to our objectives and the growth ambition that we've got for the company, but also life events, you know, when people get married and have babies or move house. And then we're there also with the support piece when life isn't quite so kind. Um, and I think the power of sending something handwritten um, to somebody's home has really, really landed well, particularly in these very remote, disconnected times. Yeah, that's a nice touch. Sorry, can I just... Sure, yeah, go for it, go for it, go for it. Yeah, let me just pick up on a point that Tracy made there. Because it is really important, I think, to, to, to... If you understand this, you understand, I think, the culture of Synity and you understand the people that, that flourish at Synity. You know, as I said, I joined the organisation back in January of this year. I kind of... What I describe as went through a whirlwind romance with Tracy and others. I, I kind of was interviewed. My first interview was on the 22nd, I think, of December. My second interview was on the 23rd. My third interview was on the 24th. And, and I'm pretty sure if it wasn't for Christmas and Boxing Day, I probably would have had another interview or received my offer on, the, on Christmas Day or the, 20th, <laughs> on the 26th. But I actually got my offer on the 28th, signed it on the 29th, and I started on the, on the 4th of January. Well, that's quick. Wow. Yeah, and that is well, especially for a senior role. And I think that really talks to, again, the culture. You know, we don't, we're not one of these organisations that's going to take six months, 13, 15 yeah. interviews. You don't have to have your thumbprint on every single part of yeah. the uh, interview process in order to be uh, thought of as, as kind of being someone that is, is going to make a successful career here at Synity. But, but like everybody... Uh, or most people, I'm assuming, uh, we all got to get a swag bag of, of 
things like a water bottle and a notebook and a, actually, you know, in my one, a mask. <laughs> no, it's a little no, strange to receive, but yeah. That's to to wear that, on those Zoom calls. <laughs> that's the times that we live in. Um, but the one thing I did get was, was a handwritten note welcoming me uh, to the family. And I think just, just a, a small thing, like a handwritten note, means it's, it, it means you're joining a family. It means you're joining a small organization that, that thinks of you as bringing value from the moment that you first, you first start here. Yeah. So tremendously impactful to me as an individual. And, and it just kind of, for me, it just, it, it meant so much. And it felt like I was just basically, you know, uh, double clicking or rubber stamping, whichever kind of phrase you want to use, all the things I thought of as I was going through the interview process. But yeah. you've got me at this point. There's no need to go over and above. Yeah, but we still do, and I think that to yeah. me is the you know a mark of the organisation and a mark of the people that were in, are in it. Sounds like you felt like you were coming home. Yeah, I mean, just an incredible experience, and you know, I've worked for some large organisations, some big logos. I'd say that you know, from the moment I first connected with Tracy and and Ian, who was the outgoing head of Amir Services, it felt like a family. And, and we call it the Sinity family. And, it, you know, you might think of it as, like, you know, it could be quite contrite. It couldn't be anything further from the truth. It really is and really does feel like a family. And so, you know, for me to get a handwritten note um, at the height of the pandemic when, when I hadn't met anybody, uh, it just meant a huge amount. And it kind of spoke volumes about the individuals and it spoke volumes about the organisation that I was joining. Brilliant. So one of the things I thought in the early days of Softcat was obviously we had that this very people-first, people-centric approach, as, as you guys do. We would sometimes be almost too nice to people where perhaps on occasion it might have been better for them to have um, ploughed a different furrow, you know, gone off, gone off somewhere else where they could succeed, where perhaps they weren't succeeding with us. Um, how do you, you know, when, when you're, hell bent on being as nice as you possibly can to people. How do you have those difficult conversations? How do you challenge people? How do you hold them to account? I think, I think for me, and obviously I'll kind of hand over to, to Tracy, I think, you know, the simple answer is we document everything, everything that we need to achieve uh, together as a team. We, we regularly check in and discuss how people are doing uh, and how we're performing, how we've performed, what are the things that we should stop doing, um, what are the things that, frankly, are adding no value um, and, you know, the stop, start, continue, I guess, approach. But what are the things that, that frankly, people are seeing value from and what should, what should we amplify and popularise and what should we share amongst others? Um, for me, it starts with being clear about the vision, starts being clear about how do we achieve that vision through strategy. And, and, you know, one of the things here at Synity is we plan on doubling the size of the business in the next two years. So the next two years being actually for us the next 18 months. So, so the end of 22. We talk about it consistently and constantly. And, and we ask ourselves the question, you know, will doing this help us to achieve our goals? You know, it's the kind of the kind of the approach you hear you know will it make the boat go faster will it give us that extra one yeah, big fan of that big fan of that phrase yeah absolutely and and for us if something's approved 
we're committed, we're all in. Um, and it's generally because it will help us, whether that be directly or, or indirectly. And, and we do that at the leadership level, but we do it with our managers, we do it with the team, and we cascade all of the, the vision, obviously, the strategy and the efforts, we cascade that throughout our entire organization. So, so everybody, I think, is clear as to, you know, what are the priorities, but, but why? You know, why am, I, why am I being asked to do this? You know, if I can understand the why, then you get my commitment. If you just give me a task and give me the what to do, or maybe even the how to do it, I don't quite have that same connection. So, so that for us is, is really important. And, you know, we've just kind of finished our Q2. It's been another record Q2 for us. Um, you know, we'll now sit down and review not just the outcome of the performance, but, but what can we do better? How do we do? Not just what did we do? And you kind of we focus a lot on the inputs. Whereas I think, you know, obviously everyone looks at the outcomes. In a, in a services world, you look at revenue, you look at utilization, you look at margins. I think that's incredibly important. But how you do that, how you do that predictably, how you do that consistently. So you build that, that foundation. That for me is the piece that my leadership team and I are focused on. Can I just jump in and add to that? Because one thing you said there, Sam, was re really resonated with me, where you said about being nice and how do you have those difficult conversations? But for me, the word is kind, having kindness at the top of the agenda and having professionalism and respect. We still have the difficult conversations, but you know, even when you have to have a diff difficult conversation in my world to let somebody go, it can be a positive experience. And I think by doing the annual goal setting, um, we do something called bi-monthly check-ins. Um, so everything gets documented, but in order for that to be a programmatical approach, part of it is a 15 minute, golden 15 minutes conversation with the individual. And the idea being that we're getting regular feedback and never to accept the unacceptable. We act immediately if we get that feedback. So we can educate our teams to see that if things are bumpy, have a conversation with us. It's not an escalation. Have a conversation. Our doors are open. We're a pretty flat management team, you know, in terms of structure. Um, we, we, we encourage that two-way feedback. But we do have those difficult conversations. It's not nice all the time. It's just done with kindness and respect and a professional attitude. It's so a cruelty have... kind thing sometimes, isn't it? For, from both the employee's point of view and also from the business's point of view. Yeah, it is absolutely. And we, it, it's the area when we're working with our clients that they find the hardest to do. But actually... The way to think about it is we don't learn and we don't get any better if if we're not able to, to give each other feedback. And, you know, I'm, I'm facilitating a, a leadership workshop tomorrow. And one of my constant things that I say is you can't fix secrets. And, you know, we quite often refer to Kim Scott. So, Tracy, have you heard of her with her radical candor? yes. Yeah. And so the, the concept of that, uh, you know, give feedback, but with kindness. And, you know, I think she talks about having, I can't remember what within her teeth, but parsley is a big thing that we eat in our house. And I would not want to be walking around with parsley in my teeth. I'd want someone to tell me. And it's the same thing. If, if we're, if, in fact, delivering the workshop that I'm doing tomorrow, 
I want to know how I've done and where I could do better because I'm always wanting to get better at, at what I'm doing. And I think if you've got that that mindset and we're seeing this as actually it's constructive feedback given with care and kindness, as you say, Tracy, then it's all for the good, isn't it? A hundred percent. I think it takes it takes some bravery and some courage for people to, to. And we do a lot of coaching with our leadership teams to be able to have those conversations, not just to escalate. They're not performing on the project. I want them off. Can I can I have a swap? Because it doesn't give anyone you know, a chance, does it? If you do it that. doesn't. And people are multifaceted. So is it is it a personality issue? Is it a communications issue? Is it a technical ability? Is it a lack of functional knowledge? You know, let's let's do, let's make sure that we're having those rounded conversations and really digging into the core to be able to identify how we can develop and improve. Yeah, brilliant. And I think if that feedback comes from a genuine position of of I trust that you're doing the best that you can, yes. and you trust me that what I'm about to share with you comes from a position of I want to help, then actually. You can, act, you can share some fairly candid feedback, but I think it comes from that position of trust and humility and compassion. You know, they're not often words that you hear, I think, in business, you know, but that really is, I think, for me, you know, the behaviours, this value set that we have. So, you know, we quite often see, encourage, and, you know, personally, I get feedback from people all the time. You know, we don't, it's not a top-down thing in Synergy. It's, it's very, very 360 degrees. And I, you know, I, I listen, try and listen to everybody's feedback because, you know, that's their perspective. And, I, and I, I, I approach that from the position of you're trying to help. You see something in me that perhaps I'm not seeing in myself or I'm not doing. So, you know, I think you're trying to help me and that's the way that we approach things here. All sounds a bit of Hotel California. Does anybody ever leave? What's your retention like? <laughs> yeah, it's a great question. And um, yeah, I mean, our retention is really good. But of course, people do want to leave. Um, so to answer the question, with it, we're under 5% uh, attrition. So we, we are very fortunate that we have high rates of retention. But some people decide that their chapter of the story is done and they need to move on to pursue some something else. Um, for me, the, the, the critical piece that we, we look at is the exit interview and the exit questionnaire. And if people are choosing to leave versus wanting to go, then we will celebrate and wish them every happiness and success. You know, if, if recent lever I had wanted to join the Catalan police force, I can't compete with that. What, what can I do that's going to make the world anything like that? You know, or, or, they, <laughs> or there's a, or there's a, a reason in their own personal family. I mean, I'm d personally as a working mum, you heard about the chaotic start to at the beginning of the podcast when we were just chatting, yeah. you know, as a working mum, I'm delighted that 99% of our, our females who take maternity leave come back. That's you know, that, great. Right in the that's amazing. Yes, yeah, no, that's, uh, that's, that's really impressive. Very, very cool. Vicky, you wanted to drop in about employees leaving. Yeah, I mean, it's, it's a massive topic for us at the moment. The, I think it's been described as the turnover tsunami of employees, and we're really seeing it as a as a as a big issue. But you know, I think we just I think we've just covered it. So you talked about your ambitious goal of doubling in size in a year. You know, I remember back to the the early days of Softcat, where where we were literally doubling year on year every year for 
well, for quite, for quite a long time, actually, until I guess the law of big numbers starts to kick in. Um, we always maintained a relentless focus on the cultural side of things and keeping Softcat as a great place to work. Clearly, it changed over time as it grew, but it, the important thing was making sure it didn't get worse. It got, if anything, it got better and presented people with more opportunities. How do you guys work to maintain that culture? Yeah, so maybe I'll, I'll go first on, on this one. And I think it's probably similar to what I shared earlier. Um, everyone's responsible for maintaining the culture of Synergy. And I think that's really key. It's not, it's not a department. Uh, it's not one person's sole job to look after the culture. It's everybody's. And, you know, we think of it as kind of the stakeholders, the shareholders of culture here. And, and as I mentioned, you know, Tracy and I personally interview everybody that comes into the delivery organization and no I'm not looking for technical skills I've got people that can can support me in that conversation but but certainly we're looking for consulting skills soft skills but we're very much looking for that bit that that synergy-esque set of attributes those behaviors those values uh, and we we count on that. I mean, that to us means more than perhaps the technical skills, because to a degree, we can train them in the product. We can help them with their understanding of, of Synergy platform and solutions. But, but yes, we can enhance soft skills. We can enhance values. But but frankly, if we've got to take that person from scratch and take them forwards. That's going to be that's going to be challenging. So so everybody adds value to our culture. They're the people that we bring in to the organization. No one detracts away. From, from that synergy cultural aspect. Um, we've hired 20%, you know, about 40 odd people into to our organization in the first half of this year. So Tracy and I feel as though at times we're on this perpetual interview loop uh, and everyone just brings that unique contribu- contribution, but the one contribution they all bring is additive to, to our values and culture. I think the question, Sam, that you asked about, you know, doubling in the size of a year, we, we're, we're not naive to think that that how do we scale that? You know, how do we how do we achieve that scale? And really where we're focusing on is automating the processes, having a programmatical approach to ensure that we still have the time to have that human connection, because it is fundamentally the USP. And, and part of our four values, as we talk about uh, as a business that are stronger together, being curious, taking action and thinking big. And we want to in- recruit individuals that embrace those. So we have to show that ourselves, we have to turn up as our authentic selves and talk about our story and our experience and what we're aiming for and how much it means to us to be the happiest, hardworking people doing something that we love doing. So uh, we're focusing heavily um, as we have this huge growth agenda on that that automation piece and the programmatical style of the of the processes that don't require that human interaction. What I love about what you've just said there, because I was really curious about this, was how, you know Steve talking at the beginning about that handwritten note and how that real personal touch makes such a difference. And then you're talking about scaling. How on earth do you? keep that really personal touch and scale but you've just answered that so beautifully so you what can you get more efficient and automate to allow you the time to still have that personal touch 
And I think for, for our listeners, that's the biggest thing that I want them to, to, to take away from that. That's, that's yeah, magic. Think, think about high value and low value activities and yeah. ultimately the low, the low value stuff and the most high value activity you could possibly do is looking after your people, right? And, and showing 100%. that you care. Yeah. Yeah. yeah, it's that kindness piece. You can't automate kindness. Mm-hmm. You, can't, you can't fake it either. No, a hundred percent. And that's why that has to stay top of the agenda. The other stuff yeah. we can, we can, we can scale. We can yeah. grow. Yeah. We can automate. We can have a process. But yeah, a hundred percent, it has yeah. to stay top of the agenda. So I might go with the title of this being "You Can't Automate Kindness." Does that work for you? You yeah, can't exactly. fake the funk. <laughs> Perfect. My basketball days. (laughs) So I guess we've probably done the time that we should probably take up of of yours, Steve and Tracy. Um, Perhaps, um, as there's two of you, we normally give our guests three three key takeaways. Maybe you could have sort of one and a half each. (laughs) I think if I I was going to summarise kind of this podcast and the things as I'm hearing Tracy talk and even kind of listening to some of the answers I'm giving, I think it's just that culture of kindness. You know, as I said earlier, that that saying that you're never too important to be nice to people. And, you know, whether that's our teams, whether that's, you know, people within the Sinity family, our, our partners, our customers, I think we as a business, at, its, at our very core, we're a kind company. That doesn't mean that we don't take tough decisions, but we do it from a position of kindness. And I think that's the kind of people that you, you work with at Synergy. And I think it brings the best out of people. It brings the best out of teams. I think it actually drives greater value for us as a business because we take a very people-centric position. Fantastic. Thanks, Steve. Tracy, anything from you? I think... Um... Actually, the Sinity family is not dissimilar to having your own family. And the guidance that I would give my children is much the same as I tried to live my own life. And that is live your life like a mirror. Give out what you want to receive back. So if you want your teams to be connected, kind, engaged, enthusiastic, motivated, respectful, giving you constant feedback, you we're privileged enough to have a seat at the table. Take that seat very, very seriously. And, and, and to see is to be. So, uh, you know, I talk about with with anybody who, who I engage with in the organization, I've had a tricky day today. I'm a working mum. It's been a, it's been a juggle. So I, I really believe in being honest and open and somebody they can trust and to live your life as a mirror. Give out what you want to get, get back. Maybe that's why you have so many working mums come back into the organization. Maybe. Because you, you, you know, you embody that and people aspire to what they can see. You know, if they have a role model to live up to, then happy days. Great. Vicky, for once, you're quiet. It's quite nice, actually. <laughs> you're so cheeky. One of our most popular podcasts is one that we recorded um, earlier in the year with a lady called Rebecca Fox, who is MD of the oh, um, Association of Project Management. Kind yeah. girls can get the, get corner, the office. corner office. And that was yeah. that was really important. But, but what I love about this, this isn't just about girls. This is about everybody. No. 
this yeah. is about everybody yeah, yeah. No, 100 percent. and you know having things like an employee assistance program for every region mm. yeah you know every single region must have that support that they can access and uh yeah i i i strive to have a diverse um candidate pool and to continue to attract women into the tech industry we all know that that's a challenge but this isn't about gender this is just about treating people with the way in which they would you would want yourself to be treated really with with humanity perhaps yeah Mm -hmm. yeah absolutely thank you so much what a delight that was sorry for the bumpy start Sorry, I was a little bit distracted at the beginning because my daughter had sent me a message saying um, where we live, um, we have a very kind bus driver that drops her just outside our house because we are literally in the middle of fields and she's got a different bus driver and she was going to be de- dropped off in the next town. So I was like, I'm recording a podcast. I can't pick you up and you are not walking home. So wow. really sorry about that. So this is me you, being very human here, Tracy. Exactly, <laughs> working parent. This is, can, my, can, this is my macro. Can you not send Charlie moment. to pick her up? No, I can't send Charlie. Charlie he could probably daughter. get all the way on his own. He <laughs> probably <laughs> would. Yeah. Yeah. Guys, yeah. thanks so much for taking the time. That was just Yeah, so no, that was cool. It's really nice to meet you both. To to. And you. Yeah. Oh, it was yeah. a real really pleasure. Appreciate Thank it. you. Thank you so much for asking us. Feel quite privileged that you've asked us. The, the podcast that I have listened to repeatedly on my dog walks have, have really been <laughs> engaging and and really enlightening. So thank you, Tracy, and thank you, Steve. That was that was magnificent. Really, really fascinating. So it just remains for me to say thanks for listening to Get Amplified from the Amplified Group. As always, your comments and your subscriptions are gratefully received. <laughs>